the only way that this market is truly going to see a big revolution in the way it gets things done is if we will work together. There's always risk associated with, with trying to bring around a change to a process or a platform. Hello and welcome to VNext Remix by Veritran. This is the podcast about how digital technologies are overturning traditional financial services as we know them. In each episode, we speak to leaders at the front lines of digital transformation about the future of finance. I'm your host, Katie Yano-Small, the CEO and founder of Upana. And in today's episode, we're discussing digital transformation in investment banking. Here to tell us all about it is Spencer McLean. Spencer comes to the world of digital finance after a long career in investment banking. He managed bond syndications for some of the world's biggest borrowers at Credit Suisse, Deutsche Bank and Standard Chartered. Now, if you're not familiar with investment banking, here's your 101 on the bond market. Bonds are a way to borrow lots of money at once from lots of different investors. For governments, banks and big companies, uh, often the cheapest way to borrow money is through bonds rather than getting a, a bank loan. And bonds are a really big business. Goldman Sachs earned around $3.5 billion through bond underwriting last year. So with that introduction, Spencer, welcome to VNext Remix. Hi, thank you, Casey. Spencer, what's the digital transformation opportunity in capital markets? Um, well, I think it's uh, it's one that's long overdue for starters. It's some 20 years ago when I worked on the first um, e-book, as it was referred to then. Um, and since then, there's been very little in the way of change. Um, currently, we have uh, a lot of new companies that are trying to come in and, and bring around speed, efficiency, transparency, and ultimately um, sharper pricing uh, for the for the users of this market. So tell us a little about how you see that that speed, efficiency, transparency can be um, can be added to this market, which is, um, you know, it's it's kind of a private market and it's very uh, based on relationships, right? It, it is. So we, I, I guess, in the sense that it's private, you would call it an OTC. So it's an over the counter uh, market. These are definitely. Uh, public transactions, so they have limitations on the type of investors that can come into it. Often there's a minimum denomination of $200,000. So stopping the pure retail investor coming in, these are the wholesale uh, markets. The process has has been one where an announcement is made and marketing of the transaction starts at a price that is considerably back of where fair value for a transaction ought to be seen. Now, by fair value, I mean these are um, borrowers who have been into the market before. They have set a price for their debt, and that is trading in the secondary market. So the sophisticated and institutional investors are able to point to secondary trading references and say the fair value for a new five-year duration bond ought to be at X. Um, And unfortunately, the market has um, become one where you start considerably back of that and games, uh, as often investors refer to as, where you build a book that contains uh, very little in the way of price sensitive information in it, merely indications of interest that people care to buy. People only sit up and pay attention when they hear a book is three, four, 
or five times oversubscribed and FOMO um, kicks in. And as you said, when you are dealing with a large market of this and to, to give your listeners some understanding, that is, you know, $500 million equivalent as a minimum, really, and quite often into the several billions at a time. I think it's um, people wouldn't believe how the process of this is carried out. What we're proposing to do is to uh, bring around transparency to this and, and mean that every investor that wants to participate has to put a price on a transaction and we would start much closer to this fair value. Um, it enables a much speedier, um, fairer means of allocation of these bonds. It means that the regulatory oversight that is taking place at the moment where Regulators have some concerns that investors are being treated in a different manner, or um, you know, put into different buckets where some are, some are benefiting more than others. This would bring more of a democratization um, to that process, and one that some would argue is is somewhat overdue. Uh, it would, of course, bring the the transaction speed down and allow deals to be in the market less, which of course avoids some of the market volatility. Uh, that may occur. What's the um, what's the reception that you've been getting? I understand that you're in you're in pre-launch for this platform that you're developing. Um, what's the what's the feeling um, from the different parts of of the market who are so used to doing things in the traditional way? What's the reception you're getting? Absolutely. Well, you know, I think it's fair to say that all of us are somewhat resistant to change, um, and so have to. Um, look at any new offering with with open eyes. There is a lot of fintech companies out there that are offering solutions to various parts of of the market, be it on the documentation side of things, the payment side of things, or or us on the uh, the platform to actually bring around these transactions. But I think they fall largely into two categories: those like ourselves that are willing to collaborate with the banks, and those that are with, that want only to disintermediate. I think those platforms that are looking straight for that disintermediation, you mentioned the sum of $3.5 billion for Goldman Sachs. Goldman Sachs don't want anyone to, to go and eat a slice of that pie. Rather, um, it's it's more natural human reaction to want to uh, work with those people that are collaborating and can bring around uh, a speed of process. So I, th- I think that's the, that's the first of them. Um, I also then think that there's several providers in the market that offer some solutions at the moment um, and may be the only or dominant player in that market. And over the last few years, as new entrants have tried to come in, they've tried to protect their uh, incumbent position and, again, not too willing um, to collaborate. However, I think there's quite a big wave of people coming through um, and with it, they're bringing a, a new approach to it of collaboration and a willingness to, to connect together. Because ultimately, the only way that this market is truly going to see uh, a, a big revolution in the way it gets things done is if we will work together. And it sounds like some of the big beneficiaries will be the investors where there's a, maybe a little more transparency or a little more certainty for them in the process, do you think that ultimately for the for the issuers, right, the companies that are that are selling bonds that are effectively raising that money on the on the primary bond market, um, are they gonna are they gonna find better prices uh, with a with a technology platform like this versus the um, the traditional way of doing things? 
certainly we believe so. I, th- I think the way that we looked at our business was to think about um, the problems that face each of the user groups within within the market, be that the issuer who's looking to borrow the money in the first instance, the buy side or the investor that wants to, to buy that debt, or indeed the underwriters. Now, you're, in our case, you're only really going to have a platform that works if you can demonstrate a benefit to all three of those user groups. And we firmly believe that we can. So auction theory will tell you that you will get a better uh, pricing outcome that's been backed up by the conversations we've had with those three user groups. So the issuer ought to benefit from the pricing. The the allocations from an investor point of view, those um, investors rarely, if ever, receive a full allocation. Our platform allows them, if they have sharp enough pricing, to receive a full allotment. So yes, they will get what they actually uh, wanted to receive. And then of course, the underwriters who sit between these two parties are dealing with um, a pure transparent view of of the demand that is out there, are able to help their issuer make an informed decision about the right trade uh, to go ahead. And we shave hours and hours off of the book building time as well as their um, regulatory requirements post. So yes, we believe that we have a win-win-win situation for all three. Awesome. And more broadly, Spencer, how do you see uh, other digital transformation opportunities in capital markets and investment banking? Obviously, um, Bond Auction is working on on the bond issue, primary bond issuance side of things. Um, what are some of the the ways that you see or the opportunities that you see more broadly in, in capital markets to make the make processes more more transparent, more efficient with technology? Sure, there's lots of them. Um, there's the documentation process, there'll be the payments process, there's the term sheet writing, um, the you know, platforms such as ourselves. There's a whole heap of them um, that are currently um, you know, trying, to, trying to gain ground and I'm sure there'll be more to follow. Um, I think, the again, there's two ways of looking at, at this. There's those companies that are new and fresh and are trying to set themselves up from scratch. There are some that are trying to be formed by uh, the underwriting banks themselves in, in, a, in a group. Um, what I can tell you is that the speed of those two setups or two initiatives are, are very, very different. You're seeing new entrants to the market move very quickly um, the incumbents or those companies that are being set up um, by the existing market users, the underwriters, are running at a much, much slower pace. Yeah, I think that's something that we see across across finance, right, that the incumbents have a lot more processes and things that they need to deal with often, so it's it's harder to, mm. um, to move quickly. Absolutely. I think the other thing, of course, is that there's there's always risk associated with, with trying to bring around a change to a process or a platform. Um, and why should the banks want to take that risk themselves? So there's not just the speed of if they're trying to either build it in-house or make decisions by committee with three, four, five, ten other market participants. Why not just let these new upstart companies find out themselves? Some of them will fail, some of them will succeed, and, and the banks will be there to, to use the, the winner in that outcome. Do you envisage a future where we're maybe quite different from today, where technology has a much more integral role in capital markets? Or do you think that it's always going to have 
a fairly heavy element of uh, personal relationships and and um, kind of I guess these are these are massive transactions, right? So you need you can't just you can't just plug it into a computer at the end of the day, right? Or can you? No, I, I think the what what will remain unchanged is the relationship between the the three participants. So that is the you know the the issuer to the underwriter and the trust that they can. Uh, number one, tell them that the conditions are right, give them the right guidance. Um, and then, of course, they're trusting to bring still the um, the investors. That's a relationship that the underwriters would retain um, and, and the transparency that comes through. So, so absolutely, I think it is important that, um, that that human element to everything remains the same. I think you can um, pretty much then plug into any tech that is proven to, to be worthy. What I don't think you'll see, Katie, is uh, an amalgamation of all that tech together. The tech will come together as separate parts of the puzzle and ought to work seamlessly together. It won't merge to form one big giant. I don't think the banks want to see that. Nobody wants to be reliant on one. And, you know, we can we can call the elephant in the room here Bloomberg, okay? The, the banks don't like to have to pay such a large subscription uh, on an annual basis for everybody, okay? And they won't be held to ransom should all of these companies merge. So it's in everyone's interest that that the companies that are starting up these fintech ventures um, do work together um, because they can then focus on what they do really, really well. If you look at certain elements of, say, the Bloomberg platform, it's very old, it's out of date, you know, you lose touch with a certain part of it. Yes, parts of Bloomberg work particularly well. But for the capital markets, there's been zero effort and indeed zero incentive for them to, to offer any solutions. It's been a few years since I saw a Bloomberg terminal, but even then the, the black and orange interface did look a bit out of date, didn't it? Still like it, I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah. Spencer, uh, to wrap up, we have five rapid fire questions. Are you ready? Sure. Which book are you reading right now? I've just finished the uh, the biography of Brian Cox. He's the actor that plays Logan Roy in Succession. I've been enjoying watching Succession. I didn't enjoy the book so much. I think it's fair to say there's a quite an element of the actor in his character, um, but it did teach me uh, did teach me one important lesson: not to go through life with a big chip on your shoulder. Fascinating. Hmm, I might look that up. Okay, what's the best piece of professional advice that you've received? Um, I think it's it's one that we've received, we all receive very early on in life, really, and that is to to ask a question if you don't understand something. Having spent twenty five years in the you know the debt capital markets, I I thought I'd learned most of it um, coming out and forming this new venture. Um, there's been a lot of things that have been new to me, uh, which has been a fascinating time. Um, and, I, and I've asked, I guess, some very basic questions, but I'm very glad I did because my understanding has increased dramatically over these last six months. I think that's great advice, absolutely. Um, what's the app that you use most? Uh, now, I thought about this. I, I think I'm currently I'm slightly addicted to Wordle, um, but I don't know that's really much of an app. Um, is Apple Pay an app? I don't know, I seem to use that a lot. Uh, Stop carrying a wallet. Um, my train timetable is on the app and there's one called Spond, which is very useful for tracking uh, the sporting activity of my four boys as they are 
playing fixtures and training during the course of the week. Wow, that's an amazing, okay, Wordle, like, I'm totally with you on that one, and I, I also very respect that they limit it to one game a day. Yes. Um, <laughs> so Apple Pay, Spond, and what was the other one? Your train timetable. My train yeah. timetable. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty critical. Um, Spencer, when will we stop using cash? So I think in, in the UK, it's pretty soon for the majority of us. Myself, I, I've stopped carrying cash around um, and indeed my wallet I, everything's on my on uh, on my phone with Apple Pay but um, I, I don't think it goes for a good 20 or more years I think there are it's a, quite a generational thing um, and people still use cash indeed people still use checks um, so I think it'll be around but I think the percentage it gets used will drop dramatically who else do you recommend we invite to this show so, um, f from my side of things, I would love to see the buy side or the, the institutional investors um, coming through this. I would love to know what they want to get out of um, digital transformation. We've had a lot of meetings with them and it's, it's clear that they are um, keen on seeing some digital transformation. Um, but the question I would love to see put to them, Katie, is are they prepared to potentially foot some of the costs of all these changes. Um, at the moment, it's normally the banks that have to, to bear the brunt of the bill. Um, and it would be interesting to see if they will, as they will benefit, are they prepared to swallow some of that cost as well. Spencer, thanks so much for joining us today on VNext Remix. And we wish you all the very best with Bond Auction and for the year ahead. You too, Katie. Thanks, it's been fabulous. And thank you for tuning in for this new series of VNext Remix. Be sure to follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and turn on notifications to be the first to hear the next episode. We'll be back soon with more VNext Remix insights.